Well, uh, yeah, technical issues and uh, delays aside, welcome to, um, I can't even remember what our podcast called. <laughs> North, North v South, John. Yeah, welcome to North v South, a uh, podcast about, but not about design. Um, we've had a week's hiatus um, due to uh, egg, egg being egg-bound. <laughs> egg-bound, yeah. And it was my it was my birthday, of course. Yes, but, happy uh, birthday. Thank you. Um yeah, so it was my birthday and we had a, my wife had a big wedding, I'm just pouring some beer, uh, my wife had a big wedding up in uh, Oxfordshire, so we uh, we had to stay up, stay up in Oxfordshire when we should have been doing the podcast, so that's why there was a, a gap. Are you, were you staying in a very nice hotel? It was quite nice, yeah. There were, um, we had afternoon tea and cocktails and yeah, it was very pleasant indeed. We got upgraded to the best room in the hotel, which was nice. All right. I don't know if that was because it was just just because they knew it was my birthday, <laughs> or they just like, they just liked the cut of our jib. Yeah. Um, I'd have thought they'd have given that room to the bride. Oh, different hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been all. Yeah, you can't have the best room. The uh, yeah. the flower the people are doing. Forest assistant. Flower people. <laughs> Yeah, that's Apologies, there. We can go with that. <clears throat> so, what have you been up to in other stuff? Well, yeah, it's been a lot of weddings. Um, so, um, that's taken up quite a bit of my time. Um, I've been working on a couple of commissions. Uh, just finished a nice Daredevil commission. Someone had seen some doodles I'd done on Instagram uh, and commissioned me to do a, a Daredevil illustration. With some kind of New York City rooftops in the background, uh, so that was quite nice. Good, bit different for me. Good fun. Um, and I'm working on a couple more commissions. So today I've been uh, sketching Jimi Hendrix as a cosmonaut. Right. Um, yeah. So it's been quite varied. That and um, lots of kind of weddingy bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. There's another big wedding tomorrow. So. Are you finding you're getting more and more illustration work now? Um, not enough. Um, my commercial work has has come. Most of my commercial work at the minute is coming through one client, um, which is fantastic because they're you know they're sending me kind of regularish work and it's nice work. Um, but yeah, I, I need you know some more clients like that. Um, so that's, it's, you know, it's just tricky kind of knowing where to look. I've been lucky so far in that all my illustration work has, has found me, um, either through word of mouth or through Instagram. Like the book I did last year um, was through Instagram. So um, I've been a bit spoiled. Um, so I need to knuckle down and try and work out how to get work rather than just uh, allowing it to come to me. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's definitely something we can talk about in the future, isn't mm. it? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Have you thought of agents or anything like that? I don't, it's weird because I'm not sure I've got enough kind of commercial work to show to an agent because um, a lot of my work is private commissions and it's kind of very genre, um, which, you know, unless I was going to try and get into comics or something, probably isn't going to stand me in good stead with an agent. I think... You know, as I get more and more commercial work, then I might do that. Yeah, 
There's a beautiful blackbird singing in... Is that on your side? There is, yeah. I've got my window open. Uh Yeah, it's uh, it's quite pretty. Yeah, beautiful. So so what about you? How's your week been? Um, Two two weeks. Yeah, it's been been long and um, with a break in the middle. Um, You've missed me. Yeah, it is. I've been yearning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been doing quite a lot of coding. I'm building a content management system bit of a website at the moment um so every time i don't do that a huge amount so every time i go back to it i've completely forgotten how to do it <laughs> so i have to uh, you know unstitch other ones and yeah. rebuild it but that's just the the nature of my business at the moment it's just you know flip-flops all over the place uh, i've got a few new clients um I've got some new jobs starting next week, which is good. Oh, cool. Uh, Anything exciting? I've got what uh, I've got one branding, um, which is nice. Just but for a small um, woodworking company, yep. And they make bespoke furniture and things. Are so, they going to Are they going to pay you in occasional tables? <clears throat> hopefully, they pay me. Um, yes, they no, they're going to pay me in um, in sterling. <laughs> That's how I like it. <laughs> uh, and uh, what's the other one? Oh, working for it. There's a tech company who needs some presentation material making. So um, just doing that. Um, and then I've got all my other bits and bobs. I've got three websites on the go, um, which are just trundling along. Uh, and in other work, I'm not really doing much. I've got a, a, a baby who's not sleeping very well. Baby, she's a toddler now, but she's not sleeping very well at the moment. So um, I feel like I'm jet lagged every every day. Um, so I, if I do nod off or um, just you know, break I'll just, down, I'll, I'll just keep talking. Yeah, just keep talking. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to get some some of the backlog off of my off my desk. Still, um, I, t- I, t- I think I've been doing that for about two years now. Yeah. <laughs> I never quite get to do what I'm planning in the in the week because other stuff comes in and yeah. I have to shush it all around. So, uh, but in other work, if other news. Um, no, not really. Not that much. I had some uh, some nice little things turn up. Some little First World War tanks that I'd ordered on. Uh, oh yes, on Kickstarter. My fir- first time I've ever dipped into Kickstarter. So that was fun. Uh, it took a long time to get there. <laughs> so, so when you play this game, will you be dressing up in um, in uniform? Yeah, I've got my pickle help. Hannah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, marvelous. Yeah, I'll expect pictures. Yeah, I'll, I'll post some pictures. But they're beautiful little models. And yeah, they did look good. Yeah. Uh, what else have we been doing? No, that's about it, really. Um, yeah, just uh, just plodding through stuff. Um, and it was nice to have a few days off, wasn't it? Um, at the weekend. Uh, well, well, Were you working? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so last Thursday we had a wedding, and then we had another wedding on Sunday. And we've got a wedding tomorrow. So we've had five weddings in less than two weeks. Oh my god! So it's been it's been kind of a, a solid wedding push. Um, but yeah, coming to the end of that now, we've got a couple of weeks off without weddings, so um, we might get away somewhere, which would be nice. Lovely. Yeah. So that I think that's that's all my news. Yeah. Yeah, mine's pretty boring, I'm afraid. Um, so, have you got any news for us? Because uh, this week, uh, Rob has... I've been uh, completely silent, and Rob has done all the work for this show. Um, 
I literally have sat down about 20 minutes ago and started reading through the notes. <laughs> uh, so I apologise if I'm a little bit um, off, uh, off the no, boil. No, no need to apologise. Well, um, first bit of design news is uh, sad, which is that Zaha Hadid has died today. Um, the Iraqi-born British architect, I think they uh, call them these days, don't they? Do they? Not, yeah, architects. You know, I heard that term. No, you know, I'm, these, glad, I'm uh, glad I haven't. Yeah, no, it's, uh, there's, it was probably uh, uh, announced at a webinar. Um, yeah, so she died today. She had been suffering from bronchitis and died of a heart attack. Um, she's very sad. She was kind of uh, certainly the most prominent uh, female architect uh, that was around and one of the kind of brightest architectural stars kind of of her generation I would say I wasn't always a massive fan of her work I found it a bit showy at times and a bit mm, well she did a lot of work for um, questionable regimes didn't she sort of uh, did she? yeah quite a lot of stuff in the Middle East um, and I think a lot of her architecture suited that quite well <laughs> you know it was quite sort of monumentalist type stuff, you know, wouldn't have looked out of place at, you know, a slightly more curvilinear Nuremberg. Um, but some of her stuff was very beautiful and she did, um, she, she, apart from the aquatic centre in for the 2012 Olympics, which got kind of stymied by budget trouble, she didn't really do much, um, hadn't done many major projects in Britain which I think was something that always um, was always brought up when she was interviewed. I think she did kind of small projects. She won the Sterling Prize for one of her British places, which was a school in Brixton. Um, but apart from that, I don't think she she kind of did much work here. A lot of it was yeah, a lot of it was in the Middle East. Did you uh, did you like her work? Are you a, a fan? Um, I, I am an architectural buffoon, so um, <laughs> I, I have heard of her and I've seen some of her work. I've, I think there's a beautiful um, museum in the Alps in Italy mm. that kind of juts out. It looks like a bond. Yeah, there. yeah. I quite like that. Yeah, um, she did a, She did an, uh, an art museum, Museum of Art in Rome as well, which, again, you could easily have been a, a bond layer. I certainly didn't do subtle. No. No. So, uh, anyway, that's very sad. Yeah. Um, Too young. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so that's a very sad bit of design news. Uh, Other design news was, um, I don't know if we, we, did we mention this in one of the uh, episodes about New Zealand voting on a new flag? No. Because obviously New Zealand's flag has the union Oh, I think you might have done. You the, might have yeah, mentioned it. The actually. union flag in the corner, and they were having a public referendum to decide whether or not to keep it or swap it. Yeah. So they had uh, kind of a design competition. I think they had about ten thousand entries, people designing flags, and it was narrowed down by a panel to I think ten or twelve. Um, which, and then I think there was another public vote on. The, the kind of shortlist and then there was an actual 
a national referendum to decide whether they would pick the the shortlisted design or they'd keep the standard their uh, existing flag uh, and they voted this weekend kept their existing flag which is i think in all the polls previously i think it was sort of 50 50 whether or not they'd go for the new design ditch the one with the union jack but um I think the Union Jack got sixty-five percent of the vote. You say uh, yeah. something. Say uh, something about polling, and I think say something about <clears throat> people are generally adverse to um, change. Yeah. yeah, I think that this is a conversation not about design, though, is it? With with the populace, it was a conversation. Well, <clears throat> I think they got this horribly wrong, um, and this shows what happens when you design by committee. And mm. um, I think the discussion was: shall we? drop the union flag from our flag <laughs> yes yeah. or no and then if yes let's go and design one and then choose it not to try and do two things in one process yeah. because what yeah. you then do is drag the design into um into the the talk of um a kind of political yeah conversation yeah. so any flag that you create creates political resonance doesn't it i mean which it should do but i mean Seeing the, the forty or whatever that was the shortlist today, that you, the link you sent me, they're awful, <laughs> really, really awful, well, terrible. They, they nearly all use the the kind of fern motif, don't they, or a kind of wave motif? Yeah, and they're, they're yeah, most of them are just variations on that theme, aren't they? Yeah, um, but I think it's a perfect example of um, of just of harnessing design process badly um yeah uh, and it sort of takes you on to um you know these uh, rfp uh proposals that you have to fill in to in order to qualify to run for certain jobs mm. and the fact that you how can you do any design before you know what the proper brief is and that's what these people were doing were they just literally right here's a yes. here's a fern leaf here, uh, you know here's a triangular shape here's a you know a, a swirl um, and it just all looks like nonsense especially when you mash 40 of them up together how the, how on earth are you meant to pick one yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah I think they made an absolute mess of that and did it cost 27 million dollars to go through this process was, yeah. that, was that the figure I read I didn't, I didn't actually see the figure mm, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me I'd have to check it and I'll put having, it on the show having, notes having a public referendum can't be cheap no Um so yeah, I I thought that was yeah not not a good outcome for design as as always. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, and then the other one you put in your notes is um, is that Virgin are coming up with a replacement for the aging um, Intercity One Two Five. Yeah, um, which was designed by um, well, the original was designed by Kenneth Grange. You know, kind of a British design classic, based uh, on a cake baked by Prue Leith. <laughs> yes, no, that's not true. Uh, no, she, um, yeah, she was um, involved in the process, wasn't she? she? Was wasn't strangely, she? yeah, she she transformed sandwich culture in in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the original Intercity was, you know, was an absolute classic, and it it was the first train that kind of had a bit of purpose to it in the diesel age wasn't it yeah well the interview that you've posted on the guardian um mm. 
So it's absolutely fantastic. And he sounds like a real character. Kenneth Grange does. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, it just his, his design decisions were fantastic. You know, what do we need these buffers for? Oh, we don't need them on this. Right. Let's get rid of them. And et cetera, et cetera. And the fact that it's bright yellow and pointy is so that people could see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's perfect. Yeah. It'd be interesting to, to read about the design decisions that went into the new Azuma. Yeah. Um, which is a strange name. And it's, I think it's a Japanese uh, translation of East, isn't right. it? Because um, it was developed by a Japanese company and it's the East Coast route. Right. Um, so a train that can do 180 miles an hour that will only be doing 20 miles an hour at the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it, it, it looks like a new modern train without really being particularly striking. I think. Yeah, I think it's pretty bland, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just all kind of shiny curves, isn't it? It's not a bullet train. It's not. No. <laughs> but yeah, definitely worth reading that article. It was really interesting to see how design designers work. And, mm. you know, especially interior designs, like something I've never worked on before in my life. No, I think there's probably more thought gone into the interiors than the... Uh, the exterior, because uh, I think it is just a revamp, isn't it? The the, the train of the a train that's already been developed elsewhere. Yeah, a lot of it, so it's sort of being re, rebadged and rebranded. So, um, but yes, so that's that's kind of all the design news I uh, I rustled up for us. Very good. Um, other other breaking news. Uh, I've I haven't got really much to, uh, to much news. Um, I've noticed we're using SoundCloud to host our podcast on, and um, something that they've started charging a subscription fee so that you can subscribe, much like um, Spotify or iTunes Music uh, and uh, or Apple Music. Um, but they're charging f- for people to listen to our show. <laughs> So we're paying to host this on SoundCloud, but yeah. then they're charging other people to listen to it. Where does how does that work? How how does that work? Does that mean you can't now listen for free? No, I think some shows will be set onto this premium, much like Amazon Prime or yeah, um, or whatever. I can't, I can't but, imagine ours will be. <laughs> but that just no, but it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, we it pay for the service, and, but we're yeah. providing the content for their paid system. I, I yeah. yeah. Um, yeah very strange i think they're really struggling i said that before and they're they're struggling financially and this is another way of trying to uh please the investors um in other news my in-laws were having problems weekend with their (coughs) sorry with their um with the tablets with apple phone and app and um Sorry, I'm choking on <coughs> an iPad. Um, I just said the word in-laws. It made me choke. <laughs> Although I've got to apologise to my family in uh, my my wife's my wife's family um, because apparently I mentioned that they came from Gosport and they've been listening to the show and they're outraged. Hello. They do not come from Gosport. They're at least two miles from Gosport. Oh, they're from Leon Solent. That sounds much more so, yeah. delightful. Oh, it's um, it's a it's a world away from Gosport. Let me tell you, if you've never yes. been there. But uh, yeah, so I apologise there. But anyway, yeah. So there's been this bug that's been affecting um, thousands of people across the world, where web links have completely stopped working on iPhone and um, iPad. 
what I don't understand is why it hasn't affected everyone that's upgraded <clears throat> to, the, to the latest version of the iOS. Because it's triggered by certain activity and mainly by the Booking.com app. Oh. So the, it's called Universal Link. So when you have, um, they've introduced this Universal Link thing. So if you clicked on a bid for an eBay item and you had an eBay app installed, mm-hmm. it would open up in the eBay app rather than Safari. Yeah. Um, and what they've allowed developers to do is create a database of links of URLs um, that uh, that are associated with the app. And what Booking.com did was they just pretty much wrapped up their entire database of hotel links for the whole world and put them into one file. So that when you clicked on this first link, it tried to download a 2.8 megabyte link. Oh, well done, <clears throat> Booking.com. Well, yeah, but it shouldn't. Uh, but what it did was, you know, that would have just crashed it because it ran out of memory. But what it's done is unearth a horrible problem in the iOS system, which then just breaks permanently. So I guess it's like putting. I was saying to my uh, my father-in-law, it's probably a bit like putting diesel into a petrol car. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and that link just literally came out as I was um, plugging the microphone in. So. If you are suffering from that, the cure is there. Oh, marvellous. Yes, so they'll be, they'll be relieved. They'll be able to um, start scrolling again. Yeah, I did, I did see kind of all the Ferrari about that, but um, as I hadn't seen any problems, I didn't actually read anything about it. No, I haven't had any. I was just, uh, yeah, had lots of questions at the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Why is it not working? Are you, uh, are you the go-to <laughs> IT guy for your in-laws? Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I only mend if it's Apple-based, though. I don't do PC. Yeah, we went to the extreme of buying uh, my in-laws uh, an iMac to um, to solve many of the problems. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yes, but we're, we're still very much the IT support. Uh, but that's fine. I can cope with it on a, uh, an iMac or an iPad. Yeah. It's the PC that was... Wanted to tear my hair out every time I had to look at it. Yeah, we did the same, exactly the same, for yeah. the same reasons. So yeah, they're all fully on that now. Um, but they barely use the iMac, to be honest. Um, mm. I think if you're a low, you know, a lower level user, you just don't need it. Yeah, you can, you can get by on an iPad. Yeah, my parents um, ditched their PC completely, and they've just got uh, an iPad, mm. which uh, is fine. Uh, apart from we need to sort out some kind of photo solution for them. Because obviously you've got, you know, you've got an iMac, that's where you put all your photographs and you back them up to a drive and stuff. Yeah. If you've got an iPad, what do you do? You have to keep them all in the cloud somewhere. <clears throat> so you certainly do, and then you have to pay Apple yes. for the privilege. Yeah. So um, that's something we've yet to uh, deal with. It is forcing my parents to be um, sort of critical when they look at their photographs and delete the ones they don't like. Though, oh, I like your, um, de- you know, degrading yes. uh, digital media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in other news, um, we've lost one of the Ronnies. I know. That's very today, um, and I was uh, listening to Barry Cryer talk about him on um, PM this yeah. afternoon. Um, and I was remember I was you know everyone's going to mention the four candles, um, yeah. But what I always remember from being a kid, and I always had to go to bed when it came on, was the Phantom Raspberry Blower of Old <laughs> yeah. London Town, which yeah. uh, was a Spike Milligan 
written skit that turned into a terrible series. I just watched, had an episode on in the background while I was setting up, and it's absolutely yeah. appalling, but brilliant. I mean, some, some of the sketches on their shows were were terrible. It was, you know, they were at their best when it was just the two of them, you know, playing off each other, weren't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so very, very sad, because he was such a lovable, likeable chap as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're dropping like flies this year. Yeah, it's a tough year. Yeah. Um, and one of the titles that came up as I was watching it was starring Norma, Norma Stitz as the girl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they weren't very subtle, were they? Oh, dear. Uh, Love it. <laughs> <laughs> On that bombshell. Uh, so, what were we talking about this week? We are going to, well, we were, we are going to talk about off-the-shelf design a bit. Mm. Um, I haven't got a huge amount to say, because if you do go down that route, you're an idiot. <laughs> but, well, um, are you, though? I might play devil's advocate again. Uh, I'm not, you know, I think it's got its place. Right. <laughs> Should we talk about that now? Yeah, let's. Okay. Um, so, off-the-shelf design. There are um, numerous places where you can get either kind of pre-prepared designs, which are tweaked for your usage, or you just pay someone tiny amounts of money to get design done for yourself, or you can post kind of design requirements on websites and you get people almost bidding really to be the the lowest bidder to to provide that design service for you there's uh companies like um, 99 designs fiverr people per hour um and they're all offering cheap design um so is it any good well, you get what you pay for, don't you, in design. So if you are uh, maybe a sole trader who wants something to stick on the side of their van, then, you know, maybe maybe that is, is fine. If you're a business that's going to see some value in design and is going to see some returns on good design, then they're not for you. But I kind of think they've got a place. And I'm not sure, as designers, we should be all that fussed about them. Because I don't think the people who are going to pay £5 for a logo design, or as I was looking on Fiverr.com today, £3.40 for um, I will design superb deluxe logo, £3.49, you know, they're not the sort of people that are going to pay several hundred pounds for a, a small branding job, are they? Ever. Regardless of how much you can convince them of the value of design. So, you know, it's, they're not... These services, I don't think, are eating into our uh, kind of professional careers. They, I don't think they add anything to the value of design or to our profession, but I don't know. I'm not that fussed by it. <clears throat> well, I am, and this is why. <laughs> uh, I can s- certainly see um, why you, if you were, a, I don't know, a plasterer or whatever, and um, you wanted a cheap, quick 
uh, logo to slap on the side of your van than you know using clip art and Times New Roman or using Fiverr or Ninety Nine Designs. Then yeah, that's probably a good option for you if you don't really care about you know you're just a word of mouth business business that isn't looking to expand or or to uh, promote itself other than uh, you know by being recommended by the, the next mm. person and the next person. That's fine. Um, where I've got the problem is is where I've had it with clients where they are using these services um, and they're using designers in tandem and they're trying to compare the two services together. I had one client who was using Fiverr. I told him not to um, and the whole experience for him was an absolute nightmare. And what it did, uh, he never got what he wanted. Um, he ended up having to go... Um, somewhere else and get uh, what it was it, it wasn't design it was kind of a translation of a document okay but it was um, the same service yeah um so he had to then pay you know big bucks to go to a translation service who mm-hmm. typeset it properly in the language that he wanted it etc etc now so now in he associates in his head that that's what designers are like to work with and that's where I think the big problem is, is the mashing together of the two. Um, and the fact that designers do talk about it, um, I think, is really damaging to um, designers' reputation, which is already pretty tarnished in in the public. And yeah. the longer I go working on my own, the more I'm seeking out businesses that do appreciate and want design. And that tends to be larger organisations yeah. um, because they appreciate the fact that they're paying for somebody to be thinking about their problem, solving their problem, you know, coming up with solutions and suggestions that they might not otherwise think of. I think if you use these services, they're not going to do that for you. But they are going to give you, you know, a pretty clip art styly logo for, yeah. for for no bucks. But um, yeah, I think when, when the two when the two collide, when they work together, it, it isn't a good thing. So that's why I'm I'm anti them. Um, yeah, I completely understand that. I think I think when especially I think the one that really annoyed me was Squarespace um, because a lot of designers are using Squarespace as a really cheap way for small businesses to um, to get online, yeah. um, but to look really professional. Those templates are fantastic; they look great. They created a Squarespace logo. I didn't um, realise they'd done that. Yeah, and you can you can create quite nice looking if you're a designer. You can create quite nice looking logos. Um, not not necessarily have to be a, a designer, but um, you know if you've got a good eye, yeah, you can create very nice looking logos with the with the with the system. Um, but that is really really dangerous because the people that are bringing them business, i.e., the designers and the developers who are bringing them new new clients. Um, you are slapping them in the face, aren't Absolutely, you, really? Yeah. You're taking away the work that they're using to drive um, traffic your way. So, yeah. I, 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 And it did create a, a big brouhaha when it, when it came out. It, yeah, it, doesn't, I, it doesn't get me angry. I was only being silly at the beginning. No, no, it, no, it no. doesn't, it doesn't, you know, I, I just try to steer away. But the, the, my experience with it is that, you know, clients, whether they pay £5 or £500 for something, they will still lump you in the same boat with the people that are producing this pretty they're pretty shoddy looking aren't they the the the, the matt dolphin studio yeah, wrote a yeah. post in creative review that you've posted um a link to and I, i've read that before actually i think i might have read it in the magazine when it came out mm. um 
but yeah, and that was a really interesting exercise and really well written. Um, but what they came up with was not a bespoke solution, was it? No, absolutely not. I think what was interesting was that the process, at least the process that Matt Dolphin went through, was actually quite um, straightforward and painless. Um, and I guess if you had been someone who didn't know anything about design, that would have been, you know, quite a nice, you'd have thought, oh, this is great. And, you know, if you don't know, you haven't got any kind of a critical sort of awareness of what is good and bad design, and you're, you know, like in that article, you're a plumber who wants something to put on his business card in his van. You go through this quite simple process that takes you three days. You kind of get what you think you want. Um, and it's cost you 25 quid, I think. Yeah. No, I, in fact, I had some um, uh, some people call me up and um, come round. Uh, they wanted a logo for um, a business that some were starting up, which was building um, like horse, I don't know what you call them, like exercise arenas. Um, and when they turned up, they'd been on to 99 Designs or whatever and yeah. had all these screen grabs and just said, yeah, we want it to look like that, and, mm. um, and but it's got to look more jumpy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I just, you know, it's not, I'm not interested in in copying somebody else's idea. No. Uh, and so, we, you know, we didn't proceed. Um, and I think when I, when I said my prices, they were, um, they never came back. So, yeah. um, but that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's similarly, you, as an illustrator on social media, I get quite a lot of inquiries from people who want me to, can you illustrate the book I'm writing? Can you do a cover for the book I'm writing? Can you do some illustrations for the board game I'm designing? And if, you know, quite often they'll say, you know, you can have a share of the profits or they'll say, you know, how much would that be? And as soon as you tell them, you know, you never hear from them again because they, they haven't got any appreciation of the fact that it's, you know, it's your living and it's going to take this much time. And I think that's the problem with design, people's awareness of design full stop. You know, they haven't got any appreciation of what goes into design. I think, you know, they, you see an end result and that's, they see that as everything about it, don't they? You know, you see a logo design and the, the client or whoever sees it thinks that's, that's all there was. You know, you, you draw, you've drawn a pretty little picture. What they don't see and appreciate and value is, is everything that went into making it, whether it's the research or the iterations or the, you know, um, they just they just put a value on that final thing, um, and that's I think that's where all these things like Fiverr and Ninety Nine Designs and People Per Hour they can all flourish because people don't have a good appreciation of not just the value of design as an end product for their business, but they don't have an appreciation of the process of design. And I wonder if that's you know we we've talked in the past about. Um, kind of industry. <laughs> which which dog is that in the background? That's Ralph. He just jumped onto my lap and knocked the microphone over. So, <laughs> um, I wonder if kind of the design bodies 
in this country, whether it's the design council or uh, whatever, they need to be more proactive in in telling people what our job is and what it involves. Um, do you know what I mean? Not just championing good design, but almost kind of educating the people who are going to be buying design. Yeah, that's re- that is um, that's really interesting. I think the design council try and do that, but what they end up doing is separating the designers from from the customers, and so therefore they become like the representative. Um, yeah. I think the designers need to stand up a bit more. Um, which will take us on to a bit later what we're going to talk about. But um, yeah. I, I, it's something I'm definitely going through at the moment. I'm trying to um, – at the moment, I don't have any um, sort of external uh, description of my process, my design process. And the more I go on, the more I adapt my design process to suit individual clients, um, I don't use the same kind of sausage factory technique. I, yeah. I use similar – like a blueprint, base blueprint, but I'll, mm. I'll often adjust as I go along. You know, that depends on their behaviour and how they react and how I need to uh, maybe corral them into making decisions. Um, not not decisions that I want them to make, but decisions that they have to make and they're scared of making. Um, but it's certainly something that I would like the next iteration of my website to be much more of a funnel-like process that will actually show them how things you know how, how the process does work, um, and it's definitely something that I'm trying to explain a lot. And I put a lot more delays and checks and balances into my process these days, um, than rather than just rushing into into design. Yeah. Um, and it definitely gets me better results. It takes a lot longer, and therefore makes it a little bit less profitable. But it definitely gets you uh, to the end result, the successful end result. Um, and it probably gets you there with less pain. It's le- it's less stressful. Um, yeah. You know, I've said this before, you know, the cloche reveal, the, the, the lifting of the, you know, the metal dome off yeah. your meal is 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 a dangerous ploy <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it can, you know, it's invariably ends with just a sort of, yeah, is that it? Is that, you know, or or I hate it. I'd rather have a hate it than just a shrug of the shoulders. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think we need to, I need to definitely work on that and um and and work out a way of expressing it, but I'm not sure whether a website is is the best place for that. And um, you know, in, in time poor days, people look at websites less and less and less. I, I I hardly have any clients come to me saying, "Oh, I saw this thing on your web." Not that my website's got a huge amount on it at the moment, but um, it just doesn't happen for me. It, yeah. Mine's just completely word of mouth. Um, uh, but I do find myself having to explain the process over and over and over and over again. Mm. almost to the point where i become nag naggy and i don't i don't i want it to be fun for the client i don't want it to be you know uh, hitting them over the head by rote sort of way yeah how how do you how do you cope with it well i i don't really it's not it's not a huge issue for me at the moment because an illustration briefs come in you know and it's it's a very different thing from someone wanting a you know a design solution you know, a brief comes in. It's usually a quite well written brief with, you know, some reference and uh, you know uh, direction for kind of style. Um, so it's not it's not really an issue. Sort of for me to have to educate um, 
to educate the client in, in how the process is going to work. Uh, I know when we were at... Um, when we were at Soda, we worked on something, didn't we? We worked on a little booklet, kind of a client booklet about the process of um, design. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do, yeah. We, it was going to be a series, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then we got bought out. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I was looking at it the other day, actually. It still looks really nice. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a guide to, to just to leave behind with clients to, uh, to explain uh, what a brief was and then we were going to you know explain what a pitch was and why you know and, and all sorts of different things you know what, it was a what's great expected um, so yeah maybe uh, maybe it will be something like that like that i mean it i mean it's my my intellectual property anyway i guess <laughs> uh but yeah no, it'd be maybe a repeat of that just get yeah, back on it that it's a thing. lovely little thing and i think as well as being informative it carries on the clients kind of thinking and discussion about design once they've left you you know they go away and they're still thinking about it and they read and they can discuss it uh, amongst themselves and it just means that they begin to see everything else that's incorporated in the design process i think yeah i'm just going to pause a sec because i'm going to get rid of the dogs there for the tank so uh, two seconds uh, uh, we were talking about the little the, the little booklet thing, weren't we? Yeah, coming up with a way to counter this kind mm. of progression towards free design. And I guess the other thing is obviously the expectation of people um, with online services that they should be free. Um, whether a lot of design is now online um, and the way that people see your business is because it's through online channels, mm. whether they start seeing design as more of a free a cheaper commodity and whether something printed um would be would be better i don't know yeah. answers on a postcard please it is interesting i guess there's always going to be uh that little corner of design that is, is going to sort of be the the cheapest the lowest common denominator the it, it's always going to be there isn't it it's just yeah. i guess how we <laughs> Um, fight or corner. Yeah, I think if you're if you're chasing that business, you're going to go out of business very quickly. Um, yes. Or you're not doing it properly, which kind of brings us on to um, a book of the month, which was going to be last week, but is now this week. And we said before it's um, uh, it's called Design as a Job by Mike Montero, uh, and it's part of the Book Apart series of books, which are little tiny books, and they call it Brief Books for People Who Make Websites. Um, but I'd say that this series, this especially the, these books, these more design um, process books, can be for any designer, not just web. Um, I don't know what yeah. your take on that is. Yeah, it's got a very, I mean, almost all the processes he discusses in the book and all his kind of anecdotes and case studies and stuff are, are almost all web design, aren't they? But I think the, the broader picture... Uh, and his kind of philosophy and the, you know, the, the crux of what he's saying in the book can be absolutely applied to um, any aspect of um, any aspect of design, and probably yeah. uh, lots of different businesses. To be honest, oh yeah, I don't, I don't see any different. You know me, I don't see any difference between web design and graphic design and print design. It's all the same to me. Um, 
it's you know yeah there are slightly different things involved and technologies no. and stuff but i think you know the process at the end of the day is still the same you're still solving a problem yeah but i think i think it's brought it can be even broader than that with uh, particularly with this book um because i think you could you can relate it to a lot of the lessons he sort of preaches in this book you could benefit from regardless of your business whether it's design or floristry or garden mm. or you could, a lot of it is, is about how you value yourself and it's about how you deal with clients and it's about how you represent yourself and deal with the process of business isn't it yeah i think it's a really useful book um it's interesting that he both he and eric speakerman who writes the introduction to it um uh, both come from um, a non-design background in the fact that they learn how to make logos through a copy shop mm. what speakerman calls a copy copy shop which is, which is exactly how i learned how to yeah. make, you know sort of the reverse engineering um and he says you know we're, we're so used to bullshitting ourselves that we can spot bullshit coming from a million miles away and i think uh, you know something i said in the past was uh, i'm really good at detecting the old bs ometer going off and and that's what helps me you know um in my day-to-day working with clients um mm. but yeah I, I think uh i think the book's really good if you are a designer thinking of going um with starting your own business um because it tackles the fundamental things that a lot of designers and especially and creative people tend to and even business people that i've dealt with over the years they tend to completely ignore because it's the scary stuff and and it's the stuff that they don't really want to think about but at the end of the day if you think the business is making is is all about making you money um and if you're doing making money with something by doing something that makes you really happy then that's a bonus but um you know at the end of the day the what I said, stop saying that at the end of the day. Uh, but um, you have to act like a grown-up and you have to do things that you don't want to do. Um, and he outlines a lot of those um, through not by being a, a nag, but by saying, you know, I didn't do these things for so many years and it's taken me 20, 25 years to get to where I am today. Um, and you can learn that in by reading a very short book in a couple of hours and sort of learn by all my mistakes is, is, is kind of what I got out of it. Well, yeah, I, that's absolutely right. I think he he starts off, doesn't he, by saying what is a designer and sort of this little parody of, uh, you know, bringing the creatives and this, this kind of magical world where, you know, designers sort of sit with their feet up thinking about creative thoughts and um, kind of magically coming up with, ideas uh, and then have you know lunch and stuff and whereas actually the reality is hard work and process and methodology and research um and no shortcuts really um i think that's and like you say it's about being a grown-up um just because you're doing something that you love and you might be kind of innately good at it you you know you might have a great creative spark and you might have you know a brilliant kind of visual vocabulary doesn't mean that you can get away with slacking on on the kind of nitty-gritty stuff of design as a job Um, and whether that is research or whether it's working out how you charge correctly for your work or contracts or 
dealing with feedback and guiding clients. Um, and it's all about uh, approaching the design as a job. Yes, that's that's the key word, isn't it? And and, and it's in the, the title of the book. Is that I, my, I jotted down that the um, there's a very thin line between acting at being a designer or, or illustrator um, and uh, and actually doing it properly as a job. Yeah. Um, and I've been like it in the past of not understanding process, so therefore just acting like it. Um, and I've known lots of designers who I you know haven't worked well under me because. I'm a process-driven designer. Mm. Um, whether you know they'll go on to great things because they're better, much better designers than me. But they didn't when they're younger. Didn't want to learn. I don't think we do. We don't want to go through longer processes. Um, we want to show off, don't we? We do. I, th- I, I think the design industry is full of people who, even if they've got a process, they don't telegraph it. So there's been few places I've worked where, you know, the creative director or the senior designers have kind of shared any of their process or their methodology or their, you know, their structure for working. I think they expect people to to know it or to have their own way of working. Um, And too often if those things don't kind of gel you know, it's the junior designer or the more junior partner who's just simply wrong. Um, so I think it's rare that you say you're kind of process driven. That was very evident working with you at Soda. And, but you were really willing to kind of share how you worked and how you thought was the, a good way to, to work. I think that's quite a rare, well, certainly from my perspective, it's been a very rare thing. That's kind of you to say, but um, yeah, I think I think that he's a good I think that he's a good design leader, um, and uh, I think he appreciates that he's you know he has better designers working underneath him, mm. but he utilizes their talent to sell his um, agency's services, um, and he is a salesman. Um, yeah, uh, and I think one of his one of the things I take out of the book um, is the the fact that you've got to have confidence in yourself um, and lack of confidence is something that I want to return to because it's something I suffer from hugely and uh, you know I think every a lot of creatives do um, creatives a lot of <laughs> a lot of people who work in in the design industry and around it do suffer from that self doubt absolutely in fact I I put a little question on Twitter this week about um people in illustration if they feel like an imposter um i was going to write a blog post about it about kind of imposter syndrome yeah um and i think it, like you say it's very very common people who work in a creative way um doubting yourself and uh kind of seeing other people's work and you you know not seeing how you can possibly you know approach that level or um and I think it I think it's more more of an issue when you work on your own as well. Because if you're in a studio you can talk about what you're working on or you know, you collaborate on things. Um and I think 
your doubts maybe get weeded out earlier on in a project. Whereas when you're working on your own, you're literally on your own until you show the client what you've done. So I think it's quite a big, um, it's always a big leap, isn't it? That yeah, moment. definitely. I think I think we should hold that and definitely return yeah. to it. But what 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 do you make? Would you think the book is useful for people if they haven't read it to read? Do you think it's a a good one? What, what? I think the book's I think the book is fantastic for anyone, whether they're new to design, whether they've been in design for years, whether they're just about to start their own design studio, or whether you're just about to go freelance. There are so many lessons in there um, about how to approach being a designer of running a design business. Um, you know, for, for all parts of the process he covers. Yeah. I think, I think the, the thing is, nothing he says really is surprising because the vast majority of it is common sense. But when yeah. you read it, you just think, oh, of course I should be doing that. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, it does. It does do that. Or it's like, yeah, I know I've been ignoring that because yeah. I didn't want to face up to that. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit like someone grabbing you by the. It's quite painful. It, yeah, and saying <clears throat> this is what you should be doing, and you know you should be doing it. He tries to temper it with uh, sort of some stick humour, um, and I'm not sure it translates to a British sense of humour very well. Yeah. But um, I appreciate that. You know, it's a, it's a good book. Um, definitely don't follow him on Twitter. Um, no, he's he's his writing in this book is so different to his persona. Yeah. I think he's a I think he's a much nicer person than that than his Twitter yeah. personality. Um, so I, I you know yeah, but I'm sure people are already following him there. So yeah, f- f- good feel, luck. Feel free, but I I, I find him a, a, a difficult a difficult um, person to follow. But yeah, he is it's really really good. I really appreciate the time that he's obviously put into this and you you are getting a lot of experience from a really really well qualified designer um so yeah pull your socks up uh suck your chest in and uh and, and get on with it go and see a lawyer get a proper accounting system you know do it properly yeah um you will benefit from it the more money you can bring in the more time you'll get chasing the better jobs that's it that's all i'm saying absolutely yeah. Um, yeah, well, we're uh, we're up to um, a few minutes um, away from our hour cutoff, which seems to uh, seems to definitely uh, drop the the listeners off once we go past that hour. Should we should we go straight for pies, John? Yeah, I think we should. Um, we've we've gone past a thousand listens now. Uh, yeah, on our podcast, I've got some stats now coming in from SoundCloud. Okay. How how accurate they are is anyone's guess. Maybe but, we should um, start the next. Uh, should we start the next episode with a little? A little stat roundup. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come back. We can say our most popular, least popular country that people are listening to us. Start <laughs> <laughs> start reaching out to the people of Azerbaijan. Well, I will start pies this week because you're going to laugh at me. Um, I uh, I bought it for last week, so it might even kill me. Um, but uh, it's a uh, to uh, to please the vegetarians amongst us. I've gone for a vegetable pie. Um, it's a higgedy. Um, oh yeah, okay, they're all right. It's, but it's it's little mushroom feta and spinach pie, which sounds like an architect's, doesn't it? Um, but it's um, it's I've got it. Out. It's not a pie, right? Firstly, there's no pastry covering. I know it's a quiche. That is a quiche, right? By any other name, it's it's quite nice. Um, it's kind of like uh, garlic mushrooms in a pastry 
thing yeah. with some with some muesli across the top of it. Um, but it's not a pie. I don't even know if I can, you know, enter it into the pie chart. Well, it, you can give it a score, but it can it can be disqualified for not being a pie. I, yeah. Weirdly, I nearly bought one a couple of weeks ago for the for the review. Yeah, and discounted it for its lack of a lid. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't really notice that. I didn't really look at it. I just thought, you know, it's a pie, but it's a. It's not. <laughs> I know it is outraged. So yeah, it's it's good. It's peppery. It's like garlic mushrooms. Um, what what's wrong? You know, how, you can't go wrong with a good good old fashioned garlic mushroom, yeah. can you? What have you got, Rob? I have got uh, a steak and ale pie from my local butchers, uh, which is Robinson's, um, and it's from Tom's Pies, uh, and it's very nice. It's, Tom, uh, Tom Archer is this from what? Tom Archer from Tom. the Archers. Oh, I have no idea. Oh. I don't listen to the Archers. Oh. Um, is he friends with a Grundy? <laughs> uh, it's a really nice pie. It's, it looks like it's been made with a really sort of ruddy ale. It's quite red uh, contents, but pastry's fantastic. Uh, and it does taste of taste properly of beer and, and beef. It's a very nice pie. Uh, and I'm washing it down with uh, another Twickenham ale. Yeah, I've gone for Redhead. Oh, I haven't had that one before. Heaven, heavenly Red Ale, four point one percent, and it's quite nice. It's not as nice as the one I had last week, which I can't, was it Sundance where I had. The week yeah, before. yeah, that was yeah. Red, Red Ale though. Again, that's from across the Atlantic, isn't it? That kind of well, I don't know because Cameron. Do you know Cameron's Brewery in the northeast? No, they used to do a Ruby Red Ale. And yeah, that, that was delicious. Mm. Um. But I've never seen that down south. I've only ever drink that um, up north. Right. But that's good. But um, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not a very dark red, but it's, it's quite nice. Excellent. Um, what score is your pie getting? Uh, well, what score is your quiche getting? My quiche is getting a five. Yeah. What's your pie getting? I think it's getting, uh, I think it's getting a seven. Nice. Mm. Excellent. It's very nice. Excellent pastry. Well, I haven't even got a beer, so I've got some water. <laughs> <laughs> Times are hard. Um, well, I think we should wrap it up. Um, I think we should. I'm going to so, finish this pie because it's marvellous. So today we've touched a bit upon off-the-shelf design. Um, we've reviewed our book of the month. Um, we will talk about the book of the next book of the month next week, um, and uh, we will st- sort of starting to touch upon confidence and um, and sort of keeping yourself healthy in design and why that's important. And um, I think that's something we should definitely return to. Yeah. What do you think? Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so, and I will be more prepared next week. Um, Me too. And uh, we will be back very soon. Um, and we apologise for the, the microphone quality, um, but we've had technical issues. And <coughs> I've had technical issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so um, we'll be back to full strength next week. Um, but thank you for listening. And thank you, Rob. Thank you, John. And thank you, dogs, for making me pause this recording in the, in the middle of the, uh, the podcast. You'll, so, be star- you'll be startled when you listen to that back at how uh, noisy they were. <laughs> I could hear it. Um, All right, well, I'll speak to you soon um, and uh, I'll be in touch tomorrow anyway. Great to talk to you, John. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Sequence stars were no good for making carbon in this life. Well, that was all right, wasn't it?